Hello, the internet, and welcome to this episode of the Weekly Zeitgeist. Uh, these are some of our favorite segments from this week, all edited together into one uh, nonstop infotainment laugh extravaganza. Uh, yeah. So, without further ado, here is the Weekly Zeitgeist. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat. It's the end of a long ban. Uh, we are thrilled to have him back. He is the <laughs> co-host of one of my uh, favorite podcasts, The Flagrant Ones, on Patreon. He is Mr. Carl Tart. I'm back. <laughs> clink, 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 bottle clink. Most of your new listeners don't know who I am. Oh, they do if they listen to podcasts. Come on, Carl. Yeah. Oh, baby. Knows who you are, man. Yeah. Oh, baby. Don't be too modest now. I've missed you fellas so much. I've missed you, oh, man. Missed you too, man. Carl, how have you been, man? It's I've been, been good, man. a year and a half. It's been a year and a half. I've been good. Uh, you know, eating vegetables, trying oh. to drink some mm. water. Oh. Uh, you what know, kind of vegetables? Uh, you know, broccoli, steaming the broccoli, putting like a a, a three Three centimeters of water in the big ass pot and throwing the broccoli Ooh. in there. I like my broccoli soft, which uh, means not nutritious. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is oh you just cooking all the nutrients out of it? When yeah, cooking all the nutrients out of it, but damn, it's I good. Mean, I mean, because that's like the first broccoli I was able to stomach was over microwave frozen broccoli. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes I I, I love a just mushy. I like of broccoli. I like cheddar cheese with little pieces of broccoli in it. That's, that's the type of broccoli that I prefer. You're more in the cheese. Yeah, you're in the cheese zone. Is that like yeah. broccoli cheese soup when they make that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know uh, what's crazy? Always, a... I'll always be down up for a bowl of broccoli cheese soup for some reason. It's probably the worst mm. decision you can make, but there are times I'm when I see it on a menu and I'm like, I think I'm going to try it. I got to get into Ooh. broccoli cheese soup. Broccoli cheese soup is something that I've never... It's something about eating cheese with a spoon that has never <laughs> quite meshed for me. And I love nachos. I love right, I right. love cheese sauce. But right, for some yeah. reason, when it's like eating it with a spoon, it's like, nah, give me a chip. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, that's called dignity. That's the thing that right. uh, <laughs> is preventing you from wanting to eat uh, melted cheese with a spoon. Yeah. Because usually when I order it at Subway, they always say, oh, uh, you're serious? And I'm like, yes, actually. <laughs> from sorry. us? From yeah. us? Could you I want that from this, us? This one behind me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you wanted a, a foot long tuna sub? I'm like, yes. All right. They're like, Okay, oh, Miles. I'm gonna call. Okay, you might need an intervention. Carl, you've also been eating a lot of fast food on uh, Doughboys, what, another one of our uh, favorite podcasts. What what's the what's the best thing you've eaten uh, in your time as a as a guest on Doughboys? With the Doughboys, the best thing I had. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Waffle House is my favorite restaurant in America, mm. and mm. we did I did Waffle House with those cats. Um, I definitely had some Culver's was good. That was in Milwaukee. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah. Detroit, Detroit. I still, I still got a bone to pick with Detroit because I went and I put <laughs> cheese on my Coney dog because mm -hmm. I didn't grow up. The only Coney's I had growing up was Sonic and right. it's a chili cheese Coney. So, and also I like when I eat something with chili, I want cheese with it. This is the cheese. Day. Natural. Uh, cheese cast. And I, and when I like, <laughs> I put cheese on it. And the audience like started to boo me when I said that. I'm like, Ooh. "Hey, man, all of y'all could kiss my cheesy ass." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they, so the, like you because you mentioned that you so it's a it's a violation to put cheese on a coney because I, I, I feel like so. when I've apparently. had like coney's like Cincinnati style chili like Skyline or Gold Star cheese mm -hmm. is on there and it didn't seem like a transgression, but I guess it's all it's all regional regional. That's world. it's probably them mm -hmm. trying to separate themselves from that. But you know, right. like how in, in Chicago, they get mad at you if you put ketchup on your Don't hot dog ketchup. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, I'm going to put ketchup on my hot dog. <laughs> I'm going right. to the like, south side and telling everybody. I ain't scared, <laughs> homie. I'm from South Central LA. Uh. <laughs> Alex, finally, what's a myth? Mm. Man, what's, what's something people just, you know, just drop some truth on people. Open their minds right now. What's a myth? I think I, and this is what I want to like yell at everyone I see it, like, like, I think there's a myth that we are past the beginning of coronavirus stuff. Like, like the people are like, we did the beginning. Okay. Oh and now we God. can start to go back out. Like the, the very early part happened. And like uh, people like, 
we went to this protest on Saturday and then as we were like leaving to go home, there were like the let's hit the bars crowds showing up with no masks. It was pretty upsetting. Really didn't like it as a, a social practice. Like, like I yeah. think there's kind of three stages. Like there's the beginning where cases are going up and we don't have good systems. And then there's the middle where cases are back down and we have good systems. And then there's like a later date when we'll have a cure vaccine or something. And we're in the beginning still. Like people yeah. need to really be careful. They need to stay home if they can't. And I think people also yeah. too, like there, I was reading a few threads from medical professionals, some write-ups and things just about like the idea of what it means to recover from COVID-19. And yeah. there are so many, uh, yes, there is the version where it's just a flu. There are people also getting lung transplants and yeah. all these yeah. other severe, severe medical issues. So once I, you know, like early on when I was reading about like when people are like, they don't tell you what it's like when you even have to be on a ventilator, like what that means for you after. Um, mm -hmm. When I was like, uh, yes, it's it was easier to feel strong when I was like, it could be a flu. But when you sort of look at what the risks are, it's it's really frightening. It's also so discouraging to see people like truly like give up on social distancing ostensibly out of boredom. Like it just yeah. seems like even even people that were still like very on board and very like, no, we have to stick to this even a month ago are now just like, uh, I think we're done. Like it just it's like because it's, it's yeah. not pr like dominant in the conversation. People are just like, OK, so this is fine. It's like, no, it's not fine. It's I think opening fine. opening reopening has, you know, eliminated it has brought FOMO back. Because before yeah. it was easy to be like, I'm not going out. Ain't shit open. Who gives a fuck? I'm inside. We have to do this. But the second you start hearing, wait, you start seeing people partying over here or going out to eat over there. Some people who I guess are purely just driven by like this need to socialize or be out or consume or be served or whatever, like all that stuff just goes straight out the window. Yeah. Um, and I wonder how yeah. it also shows like in L.A. too, right? Because. I can only speak for what I see in this city and state, but our cases are not going down. And we're Ours are going up yeah, still. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, all that to mean they are going yeah. up. <laughs> They're right. like and going up still significantly <laughs> still. It's like, yeah. And yeah. we're reopening. And I feel like every person, this just shows how, I don't know, blindly, I don't know. Now, this is what I'm trying to figure out. And I posit this to this crew here of is it a mixture of people just blindly believing that the state knows what's best and that's why they're going out because they're like, well, why would they, why would they open stuff if we couldn't go out? Or mm. is it, I'm trying to figure out what's motivating these people. Cause I, I'm sure there is a group of people who are just like, well, why would they open if it wasn't safe? But yeah. right. I think, I, I think it's I exactly what you said, Miles. And then I think it's also, and I think it's especially Americans. We just have this mentality that like problems don't last. Like right. you hear about a problem and then if you kind of stop hearing about the problem, it's probably over. And so it's fine. Even though like a problem can just keep going, you know, or like, like I, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a scientist, but like there was news I read when this started and it said X things were happening with cases and I was like, time to stay home. And then I read the news now and it's like the same stories. I think I should keep staying home. Like that's yeah. all I know. Right. I'm, I'm just a guy who has Twitter, but that's what I see. Some of it does feel like social media brain of just like if people aren't seeing it in their feeds constantly, they're just like, Oh, I guess, I guess that's done, which is applies to many situations right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's also, I, I don't know. Some of it is just, it seems like just straight up willful arrogance where like I had a family friend back in Massachusetts still like throw her daughter a graduation party. And her reasoning was that like, well, we understand social distancing at this point. Like we, we like the vibe was very like, we get it. It'll be right. safe. And it's like, if you're bringing people into your home, it's not safe. Like, and there were yeah. old people there. It's just, yeah, I think the assumption of like, okay, I know how to socially distance and, and feeling like you, you know, no one knows how to deal with this correctly. So, so going in with that mentality is just like, bound to be a disaster it feels yeah. like well and even to your point yeah. alex like america has this habit of entering a period of self-examination or awareness around something and there's definitely a threshold for pain that you know the collective consciousness of america is willing to sort of endure 
And once that we get past that, it's like, okay, do we really have to keep talking about this anymore? Because I think for coronavirus, it was, you know, people just sort of got to the point where now their discomfort around having to deal with the truth is just too much. And it's just a rejection of reality, it seems like. And I think just even to what you're saying about ignoring problems that persist, whether that's systemic racism, homophobia, transphobia, you know, genocide of indigenous people, whatever it is, people are willing to look at it to a point. And then when it becomes too uncomfortable, it's like, okay, can we really just please stop? Can we stop actually? Like, I get it. I get it. Just to your point, even too, Jamie, about this person saying so. Yeah, we get it. We get it. It's not like, no, no, no. It, it's not that we just, <laughs> the point was for you to agree that social distancing is needed and there's right, coronavirus. Yeah. Go a right. step further and understand what the risks are to you and other people, much in the same way with people coming, having this, you know, aha moment with racism in the country. Go a step further now and understand what that is experientially, not just sort of like, right, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get right. It. These it's things bad. aren't happening for you to have you get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. It's that that's not how events work that's not how the world works and it just yeah yeah and i think but i guess and even i guess to go deeper when you look at even how we're educated right we're even in our own history we're shown like this thing of like then there was this problem and that went away and then there was this thing and then that went away and then there mm-hmm. was hitler and then uh nazis went away and then there was this and it's too it completely robs people of the ability to to parse through the nuances of you know how any given event unfolds and then how that that event echoes into eternity if there isn't a reckoning with it. Uh, yeah. And I think a tendency, I've been trying to uh, like reflect on this a, more recently of just like how it's very, it seems very common in the way where it taught history, especially it's like there was a gigantic systemic problem and it was solved by one or two people. And then the problem <laughs> hasn't existed since uh-huh. where like I've been, cause my, my mom's a second grade teacher and I've been talking to her about like, well, what do you teach your kids? And like, you know, what broad lies are still being taught to kids. And it's still like in a lot of schools, it's basically taught that like, like Martin Luther King solved racism basically single-handedly and now, you know, great. And now it's gone. And like a real textbook should say Martin Luther King was assassinated when he began to connect the dots for people between capitalism and oppression. (laughs) I think Shockingly, the books do not reflect that. That would be a, burn your eyebrows <laughs> off level of truth coming out of that, <laughs> right. that textbook but that's but even then it's like not even hot because that's just the grim reality of it but we it's like oh well don't say that it's like don't say what the truth because it's so it's like, well, dark imagine, imagine yeah, teaching capitalism I, as a concept at all as a part of history <laughs> like never came up in a class that i took in high school no well, but that's what the schools are. We're also taught like through this process of academia to become workers also like that's mm-hmm. the that's our training first. And then we enter the workforce where we've been fully indoctrinated and inoculated and know how to be like, yep, you do this. And then you get that. And that's how it works. I do this. I do my homework. I get a grade. I do my work. I get a paycheck. It's all, man, there's a lot. And there's then a lot I to prop up this. Yeah. And then I prop up the system by telling people to depend on the man for bread when in yeah. fact <laughs> they could make it themselves. I'm a stooge, guys. Yeah, so don't go. listen to me. Yeah, exactly. This has been Fuck a long bread. call out for Alex. Yeah. Yeah. We all watched at least some of uh, 365 Days, uh, which is the number one movie on Netflix. Uh, real quick before we get to that, did you guys watch uh, the Chappelle special that dropped, I think, uh, I at saw, the end of last week? I saw the first 15 minutes of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's... I watched it, and it was it was great. I watched it last night. I've never seen him that passionate. I've never yeah. seen him that... Like, man, he's just, I wanted to include him in my underrated because I feel like there's still a contingency of people who don't consider him the GOAT. And I know GOAT conversations are redundant and comedy is subjective. And But yeah. that guy is, is at least of, like, of the past 30 years. I'll, so I'll, give, I'll give him the crown. If you want to give Eddie the crown, Raw came out in 1987, like that's mm. 33 years. I'm yeah. I'm rocking with 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 Chappelle over the like the the go to the past 33 years, and that's with Chris and other people. 100. percent And I'm and I'm I'm giving him my crown of of all. Like I think he's the best one. I think with 
evolution because I am a big believer in evolution and George Soros. And I, <laughs> uh, I I'm you know LeBron's my guy. LeBron's my goat. And oh, Chappelle, you were loving yeah. that moment when he was giving LeBron his roses. Yeah, man, I was in I was in this couch. I was on the couch crying, <laughs> crying and jacking off at the same time. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's there's something about Dave Chappelle. You know, like he has. You know, a lot of people choose to focus on things that he says that are controversial, uh, but there's a lot, like he says in his special, it's like he's been speaking about this for a long time. And I think the beauty of his work is that it's almost like his shows and stuff had just laid the groundwork for people to wake up because people are familiar with the humor of like sort of nihilistic attitudes black people have in terms of existing in this country or the nihilism we feel about racism and when that ends, that it's always become a way to just make jokes that make some people uncomfortable, other people really laugh. Um, and then to watch him sort of really, he's just becoming such a, like a, I don't know, the the way he was talking about everything uh, that was just going beyond his ability to be a comedian, I, I think it was just impressive to I think seeing a lot of people evolve in that way is kind of interesting right now. He's just such a smart dude, man. Like, like I wish I had the brain capacity that he does. Over the quarantine, I used him as an example because I watched his uh, uh, Kennedy Center honors. With the, was that what that was, or mm-hmm. like, and just talking about how much he reads and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna start reading. I'm gonna start reading some of these books that he talks about and stuff like that. And I'm still dumb as hell. And it was just like. <laughs> But he's he's such a smart dude, and the way like the way he does stand up comedy, I feel like the way it is supposed to be, where you take something and you have a take on it that makes everybody think, and mm. like he's just hands down, man. He's the he's the goat. He's the living the living legend, man. And him him going on that rant about LeBron, like I was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is my world's colliding. You're getting it tatted now, that C logo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He he gets he gets on the talk, back. I always talk about that though. The fact that LeBron at seventeen was on the cover of SI. The fact that I always bring up is that he Nike and Adidas had uh, billboards in his hometown that were aimed only at him. They were trying to recruit yeah. him. Like imagine having advertisements where like like growing up in the Truman Show except bigger because like everybody is openly like creating the world around your, Ugh. your reality. Yeah. Uh, and then he became the best player of all time. It's yeah. like, what the, how does anybody do that? And how, and then people like hated on him for so long. They still do. Yeah, they do. It took him to come to the Lakers for me to fully open up, which I, I still, I can't you... stand y'all dog. I cannot stand <laughs> y'all asses, bro. Y'all we're spoiled. We're spoiled, shitty people. I'm sorry. That's what Laker fans are. We're spoiled, mm. shitty, shitty people. But not what even the sense. What did you of not like, like about no, no, LeBron no. before? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't dislike him. I was just more like I was like this man is the best player in the league. But there just wasn't. I, I, I something didn't resonate with me aside from objectively being able to be like this guy's a just phenomenal basketball player. There's like a, no way to doubt that. I was never in doubt about that. It was just, you know, it's just your own bullshit as a fan where you're like, yeah. nah, like the greats are like, you know, I'm a 90s kid. So for a long, Jordan. for a long time, I held on to Jordan uh, and it took me a while where I was like, man, fuck Kobe. And as even as a Laker fan, I was just more loyal to Jordan, uh, even though yeah. and I didn't like Kobe when he first started because he didn't pass the ball. And I was like, you're fucking our whole team up. Get the fuck, learn something. Uh, and mm. then he he ended up doing his thing. But I don't know. I think. It's just a weird thing, too, where sometimes you're so blinded by this, like, one-dimensional shit that, like, I can't, you know. And I felt bad that I was, like, it took that for me to say, like, I really, really, like, I really fuck with LeBron James I'm versus so, just being ambivalent. That's one thing about him that I really, I figured out. That's He wants that. He needs that. He needs to be liked by everybody. And he came to the fan base that hated him the most, which pissed me off royally because I was I happy to have him in L.A., but... I, I'm just like, bro, you could have carved out – imagine the legacy that you could have had if you won a championship with the Clippers. Like, you're still in your city. You're still doing what you want to do. What are you chasing? What are you – why are you – why did you have to come to the Lake? Like, what what legacy are yeah. you chasing coming to the Lakers? And it's like, oh, it's the name. It's the – no, man, forget all that. Like, 
I, and this is uh, this is dumb, but like uh, it, you know, listen. Jack wants to move on. He's looking at me like, hey, wrap it up, wrap it up. No, B. no, I'm Chappelle not. Show ep- that's uh, not what I'm nah, saying. <laughs> no, nah, but seriously, I was, I was like, like <laughs> imagine, imagine LeBron coming to the Los Angeles Clippers and winning us a championship. And I'm not, I'm saying that biasly as a Clipper fan, but also as It'd just be more an NBA fan, it would be extremely impressive. He would that like he 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 like would would have won two champ two like lowly franchises a championship. When in Cleveland won and when in the Clippers won. And he had to come to the Lakers like, are you trying to one-up Kobe? Are you trying to be be called Magic 2.0? You're, you're always going to be in a shadow doing that. Right. You're always going to be in a shadow. And, and I think that's you know why initially, like, for Laker fans, it's like, what do you – like, this This yeah. team's for people who are, like, going to be down for a few years. You know, you know what blew a- me away about uh, watching – him this this season and then they you know in the quarantine were playing a bunch of like classic games and i was watching like his second title with the heat he's like so much better now than he was at what should have been his physical prime just like all the shit he adds to his game is is truly truly incredible like he's just literally a genius yeah Mm. all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back And we're back. Zara, what is a myth? What do you think people think is true that you know is false or vice versa? Okay, this is my big WTF. Why do people keep thinking that racism is supposed to make sense? (laughs) Right. Do you know what I mean? Like when you tell somebody that something racist happened to you and they're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And you're like, why is it supposed (laughs) to make sense? Yeah. Thinking people are unequal or you're superior than them because of their race is already a flawed premise. So what? Right. Like, do you understand that if it makes sense to you, that makes you racist? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, it really is that Wait, so just because you are Muslim, they thought you were a terrorist? That's racism. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But yeah, right, exactly. And then you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, so they thought you were a terrorist because you were Muslim, right? Yeah, I watched the TV show. I watched the TV show 9 11. I watched that. (laughs) Well, then why'd you go there? It's like, what? Yeah, it's true. It really is. Like, I think we don't treat racism like we do, like eating handfuls of your own shit. So if you start a (laughs) conversation off about seeing somebody eating handfuls of their own shit, it's never going to be like, well, that doesn't make sense. You'd be like, oh, man, people are still eating handfuls of their own shit, huh? You think they'll fucking wake up because it's not good, you know? It's not healthy. But okay, I guess people eat it. But yeah, it is like this thing where I think because racism has been the foundation and, uh, you know, rationalization for so much uh, injustice that to like then say that's bad, it's like I think that's what a lot of white people were experiencing too. Just sort of like, well, then, yeah, I guess... These statues of slavers should come down. <laughs> right. That I, I guess we, is bad. we we keep telling you guys to forget about slavery, but then we like literally do have slavery statues everywhere. Right. Yeah. That serve as a reminder. And I think it's also <laughs> wild too. Oh it's God. like there are people that are alive right now who have interacted with people that were in bondage. You know what I mean? Like gr- grandparents whose great grandparents were in bondage. Like it's not that far removed. Like they're. And I think that's what's very interesting is suddenly like history caught up with the present for many people at the same time on many levels. But yeah, it's true. Like I, to your point, it's it's not supposed to. That's the point. It's, racism is already a flawed ideology and it's it's putrid. So there's no don't need it to make sense. It's interesting, though, seeing uh, a lot of white folks who I guess could conveniently ignore racism for so long be stuck in the house and like, Oh my God, Ted! All that's on TV is racism. Every channel it's is racism. Racist. I, I, I guess it was it. real the whole time. Yeah, like, does it make sense? That's what, and I think that's the other part that's really troubling for a lot of Black people and any oppressed group right now who's seeing this like c- people connecting the dots because now it's like having to relive it over to be like, yeah. Cause that's what's uh, fuck. All right, so here's here's the deal. Since now you're listening again, like it's just it's it's very uh, it's it's a lot. But I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like 
is this is is this the room? Is this a point? Is this a turning point societally for the beginnings of something? Not that this exact moment everything will change on a dime, but we can point to this year as being something, the beginning of something new. That's, I think so. Yeah. Because when the Civil Rights Act was passed, it was literally on the heels of so many American cities being on fire and right. so many protests. And now we're in an age where these are the biggest protests that we've had since the protests of the death of Martin Luther King. And I think you are seeing people open up. Uh, well, and, and you're seeing a lot of marginalized people feel comfortable speaking about things because exactly. it's like, oh, you don't you want to defund the police? Okay. Also, look at the police that lives inside of you. That is police me every single day at oh my, my damn God. job and everywhere I go. And so it's like now we're forcing people to have their own reckoning with their own issues. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Karens, that's what we call them, but those are police. Yeah. Those are people who are agents of chaos and, and of black pain and oppression and of oppression of all different races uh, that aren't their own or, or, you know, marginalized people. So it's like, we're not just talking about defunding the police that are state sanctioned. We're, we're talking about, you know, you as a police, like you have to get rid of the police inside of yeah. you. Or this greater yeah. idea of, like, whiteness, you know? And I think a lot of people take it on to be something that if you are not white, you don't under, you don't experience whiteness or participate in it. But it's it's prevalent at every level. Does you, yes. There's internalized white supremacy for black people. There's internalized yep. white supremacy for Asian people. There's yep. just straight-up white supremacy. And I think that's the thing is, like, it's, it, it's a moment for everybody to basically, you know— uh, purge the whiteness that exists even in your own thinking uh how you would i i I really i really challenge people to think of like the next time you see someone on the street and you think you are in danger or you have you become suspicious take a second to immediately stop yourself and examine what exactly you're looking at now if clearly if someone's like running at you with a knife that's one thing but if you just see a group of kids on the corner or someone at a like whatever it is Take a second to just be like, whoa, what was that? What was that? Because it's that's the feeling that people act on without actually thinking through, why am I thinking like this? Why, what, is, what, what is coming up inside of me? I will say that there's this inherent guilt that a lot of quote-unquote good white people have that also gets in the way of their education and their learning, which is that like, well, I'm not a racist, so you know these aren't things that I necessarily need to work on. But what we're trying to say is, is that we all have internalized racism and there is a tiny evil white man who lives inside of all of us simply because of how we were indoctrinated into this country. Our whole education system is built on lies that slavers and racists told us. Our money has the face of rapists and slavers on it. You know what I mean? It's like it's in, it's in all of us. I remember right. grading papers for my cousin in Brooklyn once and all of the names were like La Cromachion and stuff that I couldn't pronounce and I was like what are all these ghetto ass names and my cousin looked at me and he said everything's made up so what makes these names less important or less valuable than Sarah and Thomas and I was like whoa who taught me that yeah. and then I was like oh the little white man inside of me taught me that. So it's yeah. like we all have to deprogram what we've learned. Or even think of where our own last names come from. Ugh, I know where mine comes from. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> people didn't Ownership. even have last. We didn't have last names who were owned. You know what I mean? Like half of these names are there because that's just the factory you worked at. I think this is all part of this moment, you know. And I think if they're gonna take the time, like you're saying, Lacey, to sort of look within themselves, that's really the work that is gonna have to happen first. Because if you just go, if you just stop it, like yeah, man, the police are wilding out, and just end it there. Yeah, <laughs> it will continue. We need more people out there who say, no, that is bad. Like, and they're over policing. And I know why they're over policing these communities, because we've actually left them behind and a lack of material access has led to these conditions. So if we don't do that, we shouldn't be talking about crime. We need to be talking about how we're leaving people behind. Yeah, I don't understand that person, that person who sees this stuff and just goes, wow, that's wild. And it just goes about their day. Like, well, I think I don't. I <laughs> I think the thing is, right, to really acknowledge how bad racism is on a certain level, people will feel guilty. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, because that's yeah, just yeah. part of connecting the dots. Yes. But yes. I think the bro the bottom line is part of that process. It, it The point is to not feel guilty. The guilt is merely you actually just becoming aware of, you know, your relation yes. to whiteness, to how that has benefited you and how that's actually been detrimental to a lot of people. 
the real work is then just saying, okay, the guilt is natural because you're actually realizing how bad it is. Now, the, the real part is then to actually say, well, now I need to, now I'm acting differently. That's not, I, right. it's, I it's not, like- we're not asking for people to feel bad. We're not asking people to cry on the timeline on behalf yeah, of that. black people. We're asking people to pull up on behalf of black people every day, like yeah, no matter no what. Cel- no more videos of y'all being like, I take responsibility. <laughs> oh my God, oh my God that thing. Uh, uh, a white person have looked away at so many Negroes. Right. Like, we don't want that. We <laughs> yeah. need you to actually take accountability in your real life, not like get on a video in black and white and stare at a camera and read off of a cue card. Yeah. And I just want to say one thing um, specifically, just just to get people's minds working on what we mean by systemic racism, racism and oppression, is that the thinking is the beginning. But the system that is in place has wor- is working how it always was supposed to, which was to suppress and to enslave people of color, and it's still working through our prison pipelines. And just like something you may not even know, uh, cities that are being over-policed where they're jailing black and brown people, a lot of those black and brown people are going to prisons who then contribute to the Republicans' agenda because they get to count those bodies those people in prison as people in their population. So it's gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. So then they get more influence because the more people they lock up who are brown and black, the more influence they have in the country. Like that's crazy. So that's just one thing. There's so many things. The subjugation of black people and brown people and indigenous people, that will always be the resource that people use to extract wealth. You know what I mean? Right. In that same that's way, built yes. that's just moving black bodies around. So you have a bigger piece of the pie in terms of influence. It's everything is about just these are not this is just other ways. Like once in the same we were talking yesterday about just criminalizing being poor, because now you've created another industry that just makes money off of cleaning up the failings of capitalism. And it's like, right. here we go. So loop, 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 and capitalism loop. has never worked without free labor. And I think that we all have learned that when we're sitting in our freaking houses and can't go to work, you know, the, the free labor or the labor where we pay people the bare minimum to survive is the only way that this capitalist system has ever functioned. And right. it doesn't function. Do you think like we have that opportunity to, I mean, like you're saying, we're not ready to have that conversation, but it seems like a lot of people are willing to at least acknowledge the pathology of white supremacy in this country. And the idea that black bodies are a threat and disposable as part of this conversation, because that's how police are viewing uh, these, any marginalized community, especially black and brown people in this country. Uh, But, you know, it's still this thing where it's like, if we're talking about the police, we're, we're not actually talking about the greater issue because really it's, it's this idea of how blackness is viewed in this country uh, and what the responsibility is of white America in relation to that. That, yeah. like, you know, I feel like everybody's trying to be like, yes, we're almost there, we're almost there, but let's really have this, let's really take this conversation to the next step. Yeah. Um, I think that is the biggest issue, right? The biggest issue is not because, you know, first of all, we do need to re examine this, this notion that we're creating the warrior cop versus the guardian of the community. So we, our system is designed to create that, right? We, you even look at, there's this amazing book that I think everyone should read um, called Policing in the 21st Century by Dr. Cedric Alexander, who's a former police chief and he serves on Obama's Commission on Policing. And what he talks about is the way in which we've changed and which how we are policed. But even if you look at the uniform form now versus the uniform 30 or 40 years ago, it's gone from from a you know a, an actual police uniform to a military tactical uniform, and that even in terms of the way we advertise for people who want to join the police force, we're not showing you know the friendly officer getting the kitten out of the tree. We're showing like you know a militarized you know commercial of like, do you want to hunt down the bad guy? Do you want to be this wa- this warrior that's chasing and shooting people and and throwing grenades at people? And so we're enticing that kind of sentiment. So when you couple that with implicit bias and racism that is in this country, the combination of the two of them, as we have seen, is deadly. And the notion that people have that racism is of some something of the bygone past and that people don't think about that 
should probably pay attention to the news and, and watch the sentiment of people. But also we have to be realistic about the timeline, right? So you're thinking about, you know, 1955, 1965, where lynchings were still commonplace. And there are pieces of that that we don't discuss about how often people took children to lynchings for, for virtually for entertainment to watch people being lynched. So if someone was, you know, 10 years old in 1965, they're now 64, which means they could be a CEO, an officer, a, con a congressman, a senator, the, the, the local storekeeper. So to think that this, 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 this sentiment of Black lives having no value has disappeared when people who were, were eyewitness and participants and some of the worst atrocities of this nation, like lynching, are still at a young enough age to have the voice and have the control and power on what's happening to us is insane. And it's like, what do you think they taught their kids? What conversations do you think they heard at their dinner table on Friday night? And so we have to start working at peeling about peeling back the psychological effects of that. And, and a lot of people don't like it when I say this, but at this point I'm over the adults. We're all rotten and no good, and we've all been tainted. I think we need to start focusing our energy on educating the, the next generation. We need to start having these in-depth conversations, workshops, and, and change-making instances in schools. And I'm talking about from middle school to high school to even the collegiate level to say, okay, we all need to process the trauma of white supremacy on both sides and have people start to grapple with some feelings that they have inside of them that they don't don't even exist because of what their parents have taught them or because of what their experiences have been. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get right back to some interesting news. And we're back. There's mm -hmm. a new Gallup poll out saying that Americans aren't feeling too good about the state of things here in this country. Now, I've never been one to wave a flag or own clothing with USA like emblazoned on it. I think you didn't mostly do the because... old Navy tank tops, Miles. Nah, nah, fuck <laughs> that. So I, I stopped fucking with old Navy when the performance fleece boom died out. <laughs> old Navy performance fleece, old Navy. Remember that shit? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I was fucking with performance fleece. Uh, oh, and yeah. old Navy was tight because you could go in there with fucking twenty bucks and you come out with a whole new outfit. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, and they'd be like, oh, my God, what happened to you? I'm like, don't worry, baby. It's a whole a performance, fleet out, performance fleece outfit. Um, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but, you know, I think when I think most people, right, I think thinking American people who have a sober eyed take on what this country is aren't probably view this country as a failed experiment with pockets of decency and fantastic PR. Just fantastic. The PR is actually the best thing about this company, this country. Because uh, we're doing mm -hmm. all kinds of shit and people think we're number one. And then the UN is like, um, we should act, maybe need to send like poll observers to watch the elections. Uh, we need to talk about human rights violations because I think the PR scheme is starting to wear thin a bit. But now uh, there's this Gallup poll that has been going on for 20 years. And for the first time, the like the the self view of how Americans feel about the country has hit its lowest since they began this poll for only 20 okay. years. Um so right now, it's still a majority. Don't get me wrong. 63% say they're extremely or very proud. Uh, but that is still the lowest figure ever. The highest right after 9-11 when it was 92%. And only 8% of the country realized what America was doing abroad uh, to bring that kind of terror to the country. Uh, right. And it, then it, It's just the, the Dixie Chicks. Right. Uh, and then so 40... <laughs> uh, so... When they break it down, only 20% of respondents in the entire thing, though, said they're satisfied with the direction of the country, which is okay. very interesting. And even like among conservatives, 67% of Republicans now describe themselves as extremely proud. That's a nine point dip from last year. Wow. That's for Republicans. Now, I don't know if they are responding to the, you know, it could also be like, I hate what this country's doing. Look at what George Soros is getting Antifa to do with these fake deaths of George Floyd. You know, like if they're on that kind of thing and that's what they're responding to. But yeah. or if they're like, uh, this is this is bad. I think it all these depends are, on how you're engaged. These are interesting because I feel like what, what is reflected here is like when people are saying whether they're proud to be an American or not, I feel like more often than not, people are responding to like an image of the idea they have of 
America yeah. and like what you've been told your whole life it stands for and maybe not always what it actually is and what it actually is yeah. doing. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe people are just kind of not only just seeing what's happening right in front of them, but perhaps realizing they have been sold a, a, a lie. I hope so. And yeah. even if you're waking up to it, don't feel bad. Just realize that now you have yeah. work to do. That's all. Yeah. Just time to roll your sleeves up. And I've seen this tweet said a thousand times over the weekend from a lot of uh, black Twitter users of saying like, oh, wow, you're really getting tired of thinking about race in this country? Okay. You're getting tired. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> and I'll leave it there because just this is this is the work we have to do. And I think you, you should be excited that you could possibly be in a time in American history where we could do something significant. Mm -hmm. But you don't. Yeah. The second those distractions come back, that's what I get worried about. Well, I also, because I'm sort of surprised this poll didn't find more people who are upset about America, because like that's that's the kind of question where you could come to I'm upset about America or not feeling good about its image like a lot of ways. Like you could also right. come to it from the way of like there are too many people against Trump. Like like yeah. that could be your reason. <laughs> right. Uh, like I remember when I stopped watching the NFL or football in general, it was because I think like the brain injuries are scary and they have like covered up evidence of it giving people long term concussions and problems. And like I have those reasons. And then I would tell people that without getting to the reason why. And occasionally they'd be like, yeah, too many people kneeling. You're right. And I was like, no, no, right. no, I'm not on your team. No, no, no. Different, <laughs> different thing. Right. Like we're, we're separate. And so with this pride in America thing, I could see a lot of people being like, you know, it was a great country, but then liberals started blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like uh, there could be a lot of reasons for people. Well, to be it's upset. definitely the lowest it's been for <laughs> Democrats, too, because when they break it down by party, Democrats are always a little are obviously going to be more critical because uh, some people I, I, I don't know who on the right could be critical yeah. of America for the right reasons. Aside from yeah. like right. what you're saying, it's like, I don't know if people just respected the commander in chief um, and let the president lead the country. We'd be in a lot better place. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. People. I'm. I'm sure that people. People are responding to a, a lot of different ideas here right. that are just expressed under the same umbrella. Yeah. 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 But everyone. Uh, but like, the, I, the point is, everyone is disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th hopefully, like, I tried to go to Quiznos and I couldn't eat it sitting inside like, the oh, restaurant. Jesus like, Christ. yeah. Okay. No, that's sure, what we're talking but... about, idiots. <laughs> I'm a systemic racism. Systemic what? <laughs> uh oh. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. I'd rather like, talk actually, about Quiznos. Actually, I'd like to pivot back to Quiznos. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> do you remember the prime rib peppercorn sub? Do Do they still Blah. have that? I, I'm sorry. No, we were talking about oh, it. Okay, you know what's Okay, this. that's too much Quiznos knowledge. Whoa. Hop off in your Ford Ranger. We'll see you Damn. later. Okay, let's move on to something ridiculous. Because, Lacey, oh, <laughs> when you yeah. said this sentence out loud, I said, what the fuck are you talking about? So just... I'm just, you take it away, Lacey. I don't know. The, the whole description of what's happening was confusing, confounding. Guys, Hollywood, you know, <laughs> what do we need right now? We need entertainment. And when you think entertainment, mm -hmm. I know you think biographies, yes. biopics, you know, mm -hmm. biopics, bio biopics, bio either way. I don't like biopics. Either way. I like biopic. Yeah, biopic feels like a a, a medical procedure. People that's say that all the time, and like I'm always like, it always bugs me. Not that like I want to say something, but I'm like, I prefer biopic, like a bi right. like your bio. It just makes sense. But I guess it's biography, biopic. Anyway, we we digress. So guys, we've got a princess die movie. Iconic. A princess die biopic coming out, guys. Okay. And it's starring just the person that you think of when you think of who should play Princess Die. At the very I least. I want you to take a moment. Probably. Let it pop into your head. Like an English okay. actress, a young English like actress, maybe someone unknown who maybe mm, looks yeah. exactly like Diana. I feel like because mm. she's English, yes. Mm, yeah. Those are good guesses. All right, everyone on three, let's say it together. One, two, three. Kristen, Kristen Stewart. Stewart. What? <laughs> Why? Wait. Kristen Stewart is going to be playing Princess Diana. What? Oh, Chris, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> from, yeah. From Twilight. Vampire. Except Shh. for now she'll be saying Prince. <laughs> she'll say Vampire. Right, I don't. Like, I know what you are. What? I mean. This is how okay. you know that the royals 
really did hate her. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> this is rude. This is very this rude. Is rude. <laughs> yeah. The Okay, so I get it. Like it's about uh, they say it covers a critical weekend in the early 90s when Diana decided her marriage to Prince Charles wasn't working. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that Yes. That sounds interesting. I mean, who I more importantly, who plays Prince Charles? Well, not more importantly, but I'm curious what kind of Ryan if they found someone good for that. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's how they do it. It's like, yeah, and uh, let's get maybe t- uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom. Uh, what's th- what's that dude's name with the lips? Uh, with lips or Tom without Hardy. lips? Tom Hardy. Oh, with Tom lips. Hardy's with the lips. Kenneth Branagh without the lips. Oh, yeah, that man <laughs> has no, he, very very. Ben I, Affleck will be playing Prince Charles. It's like, do we? We just don't care about casting at this point. I don't. Uh, oh my god! I let me get in here to play the queen. I don't know <laughs> you much. Know, it's like it don't matter at this point. I should be able to get in on this. Like, Diana, you cannot be divorced. <laughs> Yo, I would. You love listen to see here. That. You listen here, you little Whoa. bitch. Oh okay. <laughs> so, okay. That's my impression now. of the queen. From Essex now, huh? <laughs> Yeah, like, stay married to me, Charles is cheating on me, isn't it? All right, and you what now? <laughs> Do what with the queen? Listen, I'll listen, be having Diana. none of that, and like <laughs> you're gonna stay married, or you're gonna take a bad limo ride, Diana. <laughs> wow, you sound like John Boyega trying to sound like he's like a from New Jersey and a New Jersey Italian. <laughs> I really like this movie. Um, what I mean, I don't know much about Kristen Stewart's acting outside of that. I mean, is she? Is there a reason? Does this make sense? Lacey, you know you're you're tapped into these this so, this world. You know, in Hollywood, there happens to be a thing that happens with the girls where you know once you've built up a certain amount of credits or gotten a certain amount of notoriety, the studios will start to push you on the mm. public. Um, you know, because they feel like you're a recognizable name that's going to generate revenue. Now, this works in certain instances, like for instance, um, Elizabeth Moss. I will watch anything that it, they put her ass on. Right. They True. put her face on a can. I'm going to stare at that can <laughs> until <laughs> until I can't no more. And right. I'm like, oh, this isn't a television. I, I never realized. Because <laughs> um, she's good. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that that was their hope with Kristen Stewart. Obviously, they tried it with the Charlie's Angel franchise. A lot of times in Hollywood, when you see a deal come out, like on Deadline, it's been in negotiation for at least six months to maybe even a year if it's a project that they're also personally That's developing. That's true. Which oh, right. Because we when it happens, every time someone has a Deadline thing, they go, finally I can talk about this and they're like yeah I was working on that for 17 years and you're like oh shit (laughs) so it might have been one of those things where in the height of the Kristen Stewart you know Uh, like oh she has all these new projects coming out she's gonna be one of the Charlie's Angels she's in these action films or whatever they were like oh also she'll play Lady Di and then all those projects started to come out and flop and now (laughs) she's still attached to this I also like the idea that the studio thought this was what the, the world needed right now they're like okay you know what we should cast Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana. <laughs> I think people need to hear that right now. They really need to hear that. I'm I'm okay with it as long as I can play Queen Elizabeth. I just think if we're gonna have radical casting, I feel the same way. <laughs> Queen with a K. Queen with a K. Queen with a K. <laughs> and you're drinking out of like a chalice of bedazzled chalice and shit. I yes, love it. I will have my wig with the curly yes. gray hair. I will rock it. Oh <laughs> shit! Okay. But that I, me. I feel like that would go well with like Kristen Stewart's, you know, sort of like typecast of like the I don't understand. Right. I don't, I don't understand. What, I'm trying to think of who would actually be. And I, I, every time this there's like a casting on the show, I was engaged in this exercise where I don't have the imagination to even say, well, who would? Because I'm, I'm like, I'd have to really think about it. But I'm trying to actually think of someone when I look at this picture of Diana, like if there is somebody who's true, like just coming Reese with Witherspoon. It. They do have kind of sim, but see, but that's where right. Kristen Stewart and Diana do have similar facial structures. Like I, I can't really hate on that. The nose is a little bit different. Is Reese the right age though? No, she's not the right age. Not, not But I would not for rather this stage see of her, life. her. I would rather see the the Reese Witherspoon typecast up <laughs> against the Queen than the Kristen Stewart typecast up against the Queen. You know what I right. mean? The like the timid yeah. like I oh, but vampires. I love both of them and a werewolf. Like. I kind of want to see the Reese Witherspoon like, what is happening? Right. <laughs> it certainly sounds more fun than like, Prince Charles, ugh. I, cannot, I don't want to do this anymore. 
Do you do, have any of you read like her biography or anything? Because this must this weekend must have been fucking wild as fuck. If the entire movie is just about this weekend in the early nineties <laughs> and knowing like she wasn't fucking with Dodie till like the late nineties. So what? Right. What? Like what? This there. This must be juicy as fuck. Ah. It's like my week with Marilyn or something. Right. So I'm. I want to see it. I mean, I'm gonna. I think I'll see it regardless because people love Princess Di. I don't know who the right choice is, but maybe Kristen will surprise us. Yeah. Look, I'm not gonna hate out the gate, but I am confounded. <laughs> the thing is, though, I guess even when you read it, right? This is how it's just like it covers this critical weekend, right? When Diana decided her marriage it wasn't working and that she needed to veer from a path that put her in line to one day be queen. The drama takes place over three days in one of her final Christmas holidays in the House of Windsor in their Sandringham estate in Norfolk, England. So that this is about a three-day, this is a three days where she said, nah, fuck this. I don't even want to be the fucking queen. Are you out your fucking mind? Hell, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. That's Royal weekend at Bernie's. Right. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, how rad is she though to be like, you know. I've been given all these promises. Everyone says a princess's life is supposed to be like this. And you know what? I feel like shit all of the time. And right. I hate this. Bye. Yeah. Right. I Like duty is not, I, I think it's because that's like you not putting your country over yourself. That's you not putting capitalism before you. Exactly. Like if princess die right. can do it, we can all do it on we a can micro all do level. It. <laughs> <laughs> Man, everybody embrace your prince, inner princess dive. And she threw the crown in the trash. And finally, Steve, what's a myth? What's something that people think is true you know to be false or vice versa? Uh, everybody's talking about everybody. I think this is a big myth. Everybody's talking about I can't wait for quarantine to be over. I, I cannot wait for this shit. And I right. just want to dispense for myself. This is the best time I've ever had in my whole goddamn life. I'm loving life. I never want it to return. Keep those checks coming, government. Uh, <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see how long the government can keep that energy up. I mean, I'm, I'm they going lost on that energy quick. Uh, I'm yeah. going on walks. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. smelling flowers out there. I'm it cooking for my girl every day. I'm, I feel downright European. I'm telling you, man, it feels good. <laughs> Wait, which part was European? The walks, the flowers? I think the, or cooking the cooking for my girl. The cooking. You know fresh. how those euros do it. I'm walking to the market down the street every day. You know right. what I mean? It's, there's a baguette in my You're bike. You're singing that song from Beauty and the Beast and shit, greeting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, a lot of people have like, you know, we were talking about this yesterday about what, you know, clearly we've slammed the brakes on something and people are starting to find good in certain things slowing down. And I'm really and I, and I get your point, man, because there's certain things like we absolutely cannot continue to do. Like, I think we have to even think about how efficient we are with our work weeks and things like that. You know, somehow I'm doing more work not being in an office or more efficient, not being in an office. And like, I feel like the quality of our work hasn't diminished and things like that. And I feel like those are bigger questions. Like, do people need offices? Do we need to be like, cause creating an office creates all this commuting and shit like that. Like, are we, what things can we take away from this positively? But yeah, I'm, I'm the same way where I'm like, I'm also dreading like people being like, Hey, we're going to go out here, here. Like you're going to come and blah, blah, blah. When it's now I'm like, you know what? Like I can do what I need to do. Uh, but I think I'm also just an introvert in that way where I don't I don't power up from being around people. I power up from being by myself. Well, it's been yeah. nice. Uh, yeah, I miss I, I miss hugging my friends. Uh, but, you know, uh, I saw Zed and Honor the other day and we went outside to pick up something for the house and we just hung out on their porch. Yeah. And it's like people are just hanging out in the park or on the porch. And it's like, it's good to see you. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I wish I, I wish I could hug them. But at the same time, it's like, this is nice, man. It's just nice being around people that you love. And it's like, what the fuck have we been doing? Especially, right. I know, Lacey, you could probably relate to this. Because in, in the, you know, doing live comedy stuff, you're out every night. You're going from activity to activity. Uh, you don't yeah. want to let anyone down. And, at, I mean, it, basically, you're an entrepreneur. So you don't want, you want to be at everything. So you don't miss entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I call scamming. (laughs) Yeah. So basically you don't want to miss anything because this might be the thing that leads to work. But Mm, uh, without this, there's no guilt. I don't have any guilt about not writing jokes. I don't have any guilt about any of this stuff. Um, And you're right. It's causing you. I think we were all telling ourselves a story before. And this disruption said, Oh, maybe this story isn't real or maybe I don't have to. Right. The thing that I told myself isn't real and I could rewrite this thing. 
just like all black ma- all black lives or black lives matter stuff is that um that we don't have to accept that anymore so all, all the way we've been living the things we've been valuing we can rewrite this world and our life and make it the way we want it to make it and and and, and only do things that truly bring us joy so we'll see how it goes yeah yeah i've been sitting in garages with people where they'll like open the garage up (laughs) and then the chairs will be eight feet apart and what i've noticed is is like yeah i used to hang out with people before but like i'm constantly on my phone onslaught of emails right now i've my thumbs are gonna fall the fuck off um i'm I'm hopefully gonna be cashing out in one of those apple commercials like have you or a loved one lost a thumb (laughs) from constant texting um (laughs) from swiping from swipe texting from swipe texting like i'm I'm gonna get that lawsuit together for us guys it's gonna be litty uh we'll all have a black turtleneck when i'm done with apple Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's like now i feel guilty if i'm on my phone at all i'm like i gotta focus on this human who's in front of me because i don't get human time that much um and then i will say i did cheat and hug one of my closest friends priscilla because we went to a protest together and we had been isolated each of us in our own homes (laughs) so we're like we can hug we've been alone for months um and when i tell you it hit like i never had i never had a hug hit like that like i had a little i was like am Am I horny now? (laughs) What's happening? Um, She hugged the sonic rings out of you. Right. Literally. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) so so I absolutely agree with you on that, Steve. And, and, And it's interesting to see the restructuring. I think that with the Black Lives Matter thing, it's that we finally have the attention span of white folks in a way that we've never had before. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, there's so much trauma circulating that's like, you can't ignore it. And here we are. And now I yeah. feel like I'm doing a cleanup of every industry that I work in. The theater that I work at specifically, I'm working very diligent with them to clean up their systemic racial issues. I'm working with places that I work at professionally. Like when I yep. tell you, like, Same. it was like I had to put on the Black Panther hat. fight everybody like we are just fighting everybody (laughs) well there's time now we got time now right before it felt like yeah it felt like things that weren't worth like there was an acceptance there was a certain nihilism when it came to accepting white supremacy well it wasn't even accepting it was survival or just or basically or but accepting like that it existed and it was defining every single space we were operating in to that not that it's like and i welcome white supremacy in my life but it's like (laughs) fuck that's just how it is and now we're at a point where like Nah, this is not like this. Not anymore. Not now. Right. It's like that's that's a big energetic difference, I feel, from a lot of people. Yeah, I don't believe in destiny. I think if when you believe in destiny, quote unquote, then you have to believe that some really fucked up things are going on. And then, you know, whatever the whatever God cares about my comedy career, but he doesn't care about the continent of Africa or something like that. So I don't believe in it like that. But also this feels like such a crazy unique time in history that all these things had to come together for these changes to happen. And so now I'm so excited to grab a hold of it by the tail and say like, fuck, I'm just going to dedicate my life. I don't really, I, you know, I've said no to a couple of comedy shows recently, zoom shows. Cause I was like, I don't want to do my fucking dumb act before I got to rewrite my act. We've got to figure out what, right. I, like I don't want to distra- use your body and voice for now. Yeah, I don't want to distract people with comedy. I, that's not yeah. what I'm not trying to distract anymore. I want to figure out a way to to make all of this to implement all of this together. So that's exciting. I, I, I don't care about just living for myself. I want to change this world. Sorry. <laughs> no, but it's amazing. I feel like com- a lot of comedians have really I mean, granted, a lot of my Twitter feed is comedians, but also right. activists and many other people. But there has I've been really it's it's interesting to see because I think to be a good comedian, you have to be intelligent and be observing things enough that you can synthesize them in a humorous way. And it's interesting to see so many people begin to like use those skills to also see everything else that's happening in the world and like activate them very like in a meaningful way as well. It seems like I feel like comedy is going to be a lot different after this because a lot of comedians, too, are just like, yo, if you're not like if your head's not in the game and you're tweeting some dumb shit right now, like what the yeah, fuck we, are you doing? Like, you know, you're, you're smart enough to be a comedian. So you're going to be you, if I mean, if you're going to be smart enough to be a good comedian, you should be smart enough to know what time it is, too. 
Right, and Dave Chappelle proved that with a spe- like you know his comedy uh, little short special coming out that was barely any jokes, and a lot of it was just him getting shit off of his chest. And so it's cool to see that kind of change. I've only really been doing Zoom shows and comedy shows with people, black people especially, people of color, yeah. where I feel like we can have a good time and not have to do too much yeah. educating, but also share. Like yesterday I did a couples therapy with Naomi Epperging, who I love so much. Um, and we just talked about the fun that we had had at protests and the weird moments at protests. And like it was interesting to do that, you know what I mean, and have a good time, uh, but also still feel like you're in the zeitgeist of what's going yeah. on. To your point, Steve, about man uh, about destiny, I think of destiny as a scam that I like to implement on people. Um, <laughs> this is your destiny. <laughs> like, manifest destiny was America's scam to everybody. They were like, manifest destiny, y'all, we gotta rob these native people because yeah. God has said so. Wait, like, what God? <laughs> hold on, hold on. What God? Hold on. What God? Robbery? Oh, fuck it up? Okay. okay Alright, it's okay. on. That I don't know if y'all heard, but God, God just told me y'all gotta get the fuck out because of some shit I just heard of. So you know we gotta we gotta turn it back around and be like I think God said yeah. rights equal right. rights. The thing now, yeah, I mean, even like I think comedians at the end of the day are great communicators. You know what I mean? Like that's the art of of good comedy is like you're communicating so many things with just simply efficiently with humor and things like that. That I think now you a lot of comedians find see that they also have a very unique skill set to articulate a lot of the bad things that are going on and to make that easier for people to understand. Uh, Because, you know, things are different. All right. That's going to do it for this week's weekly Zeitgeist. Please like and review the show if you like the show. Uh, Means the world to Miles. He he needs your validation, folks. Uh, I hope you're having a great weekend, and I will talk to you Monday. Bye.